0: Hey, Aston, guess what I got? What, man? Dude, I got a couple of tickets for the Wolves game at the end of the season.
1: Uh, you going?
0: Nah, I mean, I would go. It should be amazing, but we didn't get enough clicks and subscriptions to the podcast. We haven't had a single goddamn person sign up for our affordably priced Patreon.com forward slash TGP. So, I'm selling them for face value, right? Nah, I thought about it, but instead I went with 28,409, but Aston it's euros, not pounds.
1: So that's like much less. Holy shit. That's a lot of money. Are you worried about getting any backlash?
0: Nah, I can't hear anyone complaining because the waterfall on my new improved pool is too loud. Aston. Speaking of complaining, get your complaints ready, dear users, because you're about to watch The Gooners Pod.
2: Once upon a time, way back when there were only 9,000 Arsenal podcasts, six young men from various backgrounds. A young basketball prodigy with more trophies in the last 20 years than Tottenham Hotspur. An Irish kid with a horrible haircut. A young Jewish nerd who hadn't discovered food yet. A child from Hemel Hempstead who didn't want to be English no more. A handsome young man who learned to play football on the hard streets of Disney World. And a young Mexican AC Milan fan. Hatched a plan to take over the world of Arsenal Podcasts. But then these boys became men. Jared. Ewan. Magic, Aston, Andy, and Miguel. And the rest, my friends, is history. And now, all these years later, you tune in every so often to hear their incredible takes, their football knowledge, and their sensual advice. But now, it's gone too far. You are fans are at long last witness to season
1: seven. Seven. <laughs> seven. seven. seven.
2: welcome to the gooners pod hello and
0: welcome to the gooners pod episodes 90 of season seven 90 episodes
1: Aston. and and you were in about like five of them so. no i
0: I'd say I was in the vast majority, but just not lately so thank you for keeping the thing going in march I've had a lot going on uh with work and and uh and other things I've seen you in person now that we're both floridians more times this this month than we podcasted together which is which is dope and fat and uh I'm not going to say any of the other ones I'm not allowed to say anymore but uh but it was it was good to see you for my uh for my birthday weekend thanks for uh for putting that together in orlando and then And then uh, a few days
1: later, I kind of saw you. (laughs) I got to say, I got to say a couple of things in that intro right there. First of all, kudos. I see that you're really working on that um, step plan that HR's got you on for diversity and inclusion. You're making sure to stay within your quotas. Fantastic. I love it. Um, You know, I think it's interesting that, like first of all, I want everybody to know as as this is magic Mike's show he puts the production on, he puts so much work in, and to honor me for uh, holding up the the podcast for so long, he actually cooked me a delicious steak I did, and the steak,
0: unlike Chicago, was not ruined. <laughs> uh, the steak was good. Um, I don't remember cooking them. I don't remember eating them. I don't. I barely remember you being at my house. Apparently, uh,
1: we talked to Young Noble.
0: I yes, yeah, yeah. We uh, we did a video for Young Noble, which uh, w- which went over well. So, anyway, March has been a, a an interesting month uh, for both Arsenal and for us. Um, and as it is the very end of March, I, I do need to bring something up that is very meaningful to me. And if you've seen the scroll at the bottom of the screen, you'll know where I'm headed here. But um, 22 years ago today, we lost. Um, who is my answer easily and without reservation? Anytime anyone asks who my favorite Arsenal player is of all time, I know Thierry Henry is a popular answer and he and he should be. I know for many people, Dennis Burkamp is the answer to that question. I think we have a new guy coming up, uh, through the ranks who who may be the uh the easiest one to answer very, very, very soon. Uh, but for me, it's always been David Rocastle. And, um, and and this is a to me having had. Uh, I don't know if you live know, know this. I don't know if I ever mentioned this, but back in the late '80s, I lived in London, Aston. What? I've, and, I've uh, never
1: never mentioned once before.
0: Yeah, I keep it quiet. But uh, but I lived in London. I went to Highbury, um, and uh, and I was lucky enough. Honestly, I pinched myself that I was lucky enough to watch him play in person. Um, you could tell then even as a dumb Yank who didn't, you know, who played the sport at a youth American level and never really understood the passion and the quality of footballers until I, until I saw them playing in front of me, you could tell he was something special as a footballer, but what I had no idea about until much, much later when we started to get to know his former teammates and, and the people around him is, is the kind of man that he was. Um, and, um, you know, so I was lucky enough to see him play, but over the past four or five years, uh, I've I've had the incredible honor of becoming friendly with and having spent some quality time with his his wife Janet and kids Ryan Monique um, and um, and his sisters uh, well his sisters I'm sorry his daughters Monique uh, and Melissa and his son Ryan and they are every bit as wonderful of a family as David was a footballer and um and just i mean if you can believe a family that's just they're they're just nice they're generous they they care they still love the arsenal uh and uh and they're just a, an incredible family and and unfortunately they lost their patriarch too soon to lymphoma uh but
1: uh yeah and it's it's one of the reasons why we always want to take the torch and we take on the uh, charities that we do when we fight the fight for the causes that we do, because they are very near and dear to our heart. They are related to Arsenal and our personal experiences. You know what? Something that the club has done recently that I have really, really enjoyed um, obviously a lot of people know where I come from, what I do, the sorts of activities. The reason why the club got me involved with them in the first place. And recently the club has really been leaning into that, really embracing the idea. A lot of people don't realize what Rocky Rowcastle Castle um, meant to the black community, especially in England. The first time you got a, the genuine, just a uh, best player in the league allowed to play uh, he's the star. He's loved. There's a there's a huge conversation about the upcoming of of Rocky, and then the influence that he had on the Ians, the Kevin's, the the those that would come after. About in, in that late in that um early seventies, late um I mean early eighties, late seventies era, it was different. Looking like me and playing football, and there was a lot of things that could have gone wrong. And as you say, it's only when you start to hear the stories. From all of his fellow teammates, that you understand that this is a man that understood how he was perceived and what it meant to kind of carry uh, not only not only the badge, but you know the color of his skin with him um, onto the pitch. You know,
0: it's it's amazing. And there are if you've ever listened to, I mean, first of all, on our podcast, we've we've been blessed to be able to have some of his teammates on, and the and the first and sometimes second and third times that we've had. Alan Smith, Perry Groves, Lee mm. Dixon, Michael Thomas, Kevin Campbell, even Stuart Robson, who didn't particularly get along with a lot of people within Arsenal's <laughs> structure, they all have had unbelievable stories to tell and unbelievable feelings to the point of almost coming to tears uh, when, when I've asked them to share their experiences and thoughts about Rocky Roadcastle, and and very few of them even mentioned because it's so obvious his, his quality of, as a footballer. The Brazilian that was English, um, you know, gotcha. but they all talk about how he welcomed them into the club. I mean, Alan, who I've spoken to a number of times, talks about how, how, how he and his wife were just completely embraced by by Janet and, and and David and that they, you know, became friends and more than that. And just, I, I don't mean that from like a wife standpoint, but um, but like they, you know, they just, his impact on his teammates, being kind of one of a slightly more elder statesman and the reverse is true when you talk about a guy like Paul Davis uh, pops who was with the club when David Rocastle broke in and if you if you've ever read or listened to Paul's book and we hope to have him on the podcast soon uh, his his words about the Rocastle family are just touching and uh, i mean he, it's it it would have been incredible to get to know a person like that who had that much impact on everybody he met Um, so much so that five years after his death, um, in 2006, Arsenal started a tradition that lives on to this day, which is Rocky Rowcastle day takes place on the first home game day after March 31st, which usually ends up being the first game back after the international break. Um, completely coincidentally, when I broke my, my kind of, my long-term, distance from Arsenal and finally took my family back to London and, and went to my first game at the Emirates it happened to be early April 24 2013 and uh, to my surprise at that point it was the Rocky rowcastle day and and uh, I'll never forget it because you know in the seventh minute everyone started chanting you know Rocky 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 Roe Castle and I kind of came to tears because it was like my past and my present kind of all coming together with my family around and you know and and it was just an amazing experience i'll never forget we beat reading 4-1 that day we got goals if you could believe it from Gervinho from <laughs> Jerry from, Jerry Vino. from Gervinho from Cazorla from my boy Olivier Giroud and the final goal was a penalty from a certain Mikel Arteta just a, an, an incredible welcome back to Arsenal for me and my family and uh, at the Emirates and uh, and it was all punctuated by David Rocastle. and and tomorrow we play Leeds and it's once again Rocky Rocastle day uh, it's the Arsenal America road trip. We've got a bunch of people that we know that are over there for this game. And I hope that they have a similar experience. Uh, and I hope that their trip is infused with the appropriate amount of love for, for an absolute legend and the absolute best ambassador for the Arsenal way that has ever existed in my opinion. And that's Rocky road Castle. So, uh, you know, and I, and I posted recently that, um, you know, footballers come and go, and I'll include Thierry Henry and Dennis Bergkamp, who are the closest to footballing gods that we've ever had at this team. But when it comes to a beloved footballer who who wears the Arsenal badge, who you just feel as a person is as incredible as, as he is a footballer, we now have somebody getting very, very, very close to being in that rarefied air of a David Rocastle. And I cannot wait until he puts pen to paper. And we make it official that, that, that he's going to have the opportunity to do that wearing our colors. But uh, uh, one last thing before we go into uh, kind of the bulk of the podcast, and that is we do uh, have a, a charity called Gunners versus Cancer. Our primary fundraising effort is for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Uh, my father passed away of leukemia. David Rocastle passed away of lymphoma. And, of course, so many of us have been touched by both of those and other blood cancers throughout our lifetimes. Um, if you want to make a donation in, in Rocky's honor or for any other reason, com is always open. We're getting ready to ramp up the 2023 version. But, uh, of course, you can always donate and and, uh, and and make a tribute to Rocky that way if you wish to on this solemn day. So um, rest in peace, Rocky. And, and my thoughts are with, uh, with Ryan Monique. Melissa Karen and the rest of the family
1: and I just want to I kind of want to say this about the whole situation because there's this beautiful symbiotic relationship that fans and the club have where listen and I know that they may not be listening right now I understand that maybe Bakayo Saka Martinelli even though I would hope that they would be listening to all of our podcasts. I, I, I WhatsApp them every night, you know, sending them the link, of course. Well, there's but
0: 14 I, people watching. It's the starting 11 plus uh, Daniel <laughs> Robert, Aditya, and Mark Backerden.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I, I do want to say, like, listen, when you play for the Arsenal, you have the chance, unlike any other club in the world, to be immortal. You don't even have to be the greatest player in the world, even though, you know, it helps. And Rocky certainly was a fantastic player. Again, we, but by, it's almost like you said, belittling to how incredibly skillful he was that we talk about him as, as a man, because literally he could be a legend on just his playing ability alone. Forget everything else that we did. He was a once in a generation epic we're talking about possibly the best player matter of fact the best player for England at the time um but but there's this beautiful symbiotic relationship where it's like you get the chance to play for us and you can be immortal but also the club never forgets about you as well you they're, they're we, if you lift us up, we will lift you up. And there's a harmony that I just don't see in other clubs. And, and yes, I guess it helps that you can say that we were blessed by wonderful players. That is absolutely true. When I say wonderful players, I don't mean just talented. I do mean the, by the type of people that we've had around the club. But I think that has a lot to do with how we choose to carry ourselves in that symbiotic relationship. We learn to walk the right way because Rocky showed us how, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And, and while, while this very well-known phrase uh, was actually first said, I believe by Pat Rice, it was made famous by David Rocastle. And, and I think Arsenal lost its way and the players and the management and the ownership of Arsenal lost their way for quite a while in 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 this and in the Arsenal way with some of the decisions that were made with the, the situation that we found ourselves in. And I think, if anything, when Mikel Arteta came back into this club, he was given license to push this back forward, push the Arsenal way back forward. The things that that Ken Fryer instituted and the things that David Rocastle helped to foster and and everybody in that, in that lineage. And I think the players now understand the Zinchenkos of the world and, and, and Saka and all of these guys, they understand what it means to put on the badge. And that's why we love this team so much. And not just because they're top of the league, but because they're, they're, they're turning back to the arsenal way and, and, you're right. It, it, I, I refuse to believe. There's tradition at other clubs. I mean, my God, Manchester United and Liverpool, you can go to their their museums and, you know, you go to the National Football Museum and it's full of Manchester United and Liverpool. But they don't have what we have. And yeah, it's because it, of people like David.
1: And and we've been talking about this now for 17 minutes and I <laughs> and I think that that's like a testament. Like, we could actually talk about this for the next hour. Oh yeah, we could have done a like show
0: like, specifically on this, but... It, but it, it, it's like,
1: football. yeah, it's that incredible. Well, well, it's also because let's face it, there's, there's been an international break. And I mean, have have you watched any of the football um over the last week or so?
0: I watched the uh, I watched England as much as I could. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I've kind of taken a break from a lot of things over the last couple of weeks, except for work and family uh, figured the, the international break was a good time to do that. Um I, people are asking me if i'm finished with the house because they've never seen me in the actual
1: <laughs> they, they they just see you in the pool I mean, they assume just the just pool, pool is
0: everything the pool, the pool is the house i mean i have my dressers right over there i got uh, you know i mean the whole yes the the house well it's mostly finished but um so yeah i mean I, I i certainly watched england i i was watched it with great interest i um i've seen clips i've seen clips of uh Nasty things happening to our players, but I know you, I know we're going to get there. So, uh so Aston, so, I I hand the
1: steering wheel over to you uh, to take this well, no, no. on. On that, you said you watched the England game, and we've been. I mean, let let's just cut to it. I mean, we were we we keep alluding to a player that is maybe that maybe one day can enter that row Castle sort of category. Is Bako Saka now the star of the England team? I think even before Pickford, it might be Harry Kane and then him. And Harry Kane is, is uh, I can't argue, he's quality for England, so I can't really argue his way out of the squad anytime soon. But I think that's incredible for a player of his age and his stature to be carrying England the way that, that he does. Obviously, another huge shout-out would be for Bellingham. But uh, yeah, what did you think of Saka's performance in that game?
0: I mean, he, he's he's unbelievable. I mean, the guy we've seen so many players who are either – good for club or good for country, but rarely both. Um, and Mikai Osaka is showing that there is literally no occasion that's too big for him. There is no opponent that is too strong for him. There is no scenario of familiarity with teammates that he can't handle or lack thereof. Um, and And that's what separates the, you know, What's his name? Edwin Vasquez, the Chilean guy who 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 was just ridiculous for Chile all the time and like was a subpar player for QPR most of his career. <laughs> like, like those guys, and then you know, and then there's the guys who are incredible for their club but never really show up for their country. Um, and you know, you just I mean, God damn it. Harry Maguire is not bad when he puts on the England shirt, although I know, I, I do know that he he wasn't so great in, in May. But I mean, the guy's an awful footballer, but for some reason he shows up for his country. Same with Jordan Pickford. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, look, Harry Kane is the captain of England. And despite absolutely blowing our, our chances, love you, England, of, of, of bringing it home this year with that second penalty, um you know, he's a guy who scored enough goals for England, uh, largely penalties, but but whatever, uh, that that you can't say that that he's not the leader of the team, but he's not going to be the leader of the team for much longer. I mean, age and is going to catch up with him. Travels are going to catch up with him if he ever decides to try to leave, leave uh, Spurs and win something for once. Um,
1: and and the kind he's of gone this year, don't you think? I don't he's know. He's got to be gone. I, I kind of no don't. way he's taking Spurs.
0: Don't. I kind of don't think so, but um, uh, but the you think
1: he's gonna stay
0: probably. I mean, he's he's, he's too dumb to leave. Um, <laughs> the,
1: the uh, the, the mouth the, breathing has gotten to
0: him, the, the, yeah. I mean, no, no, everyone else will, will tell him to stop doing that. The uh, there is a race on for the next big England leader. I mean, you know, the next Beckham, um, and at this point i don't see anyone in that 24 25 26 year old range that's ready to take that that's ready to step into that role i mean i who's in that range raheem sterling is maybe a little bit ahead of that a little bit on the downside um, rice jude bellingham
1: john stone
0: saka is the te- saka is the one who seems to be best positioned to to be in that talisman role his his performances are incredible his leadership is i think un you know it, it's understated and you know you won't. It doesn't seem. And, I, and maybe if you know, if and when Southgate finally gets sacked, maybe you'll see this. But you know, he's keeping a lot of very, very talented wingers that play in the Premier League and are English out of that team in in games that matter. And I think yeah. that says a lot that he's placed in before phone, before Mount, before you know Callum Wilson. I, I mean, whoever are 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 in the mix for those those spots, he seems to be England's number one choice in that position.
1: So, yeah, I, I, and I, I want to say I really agree with you. I think that you hit on something there that's so interesting, which is this leadership quality. You know, I was just reading the other day, or, or maybe this was today. I don't know. Everything blends together when you get to be my age. But um, basically, Jack Wilshire was saying how Bukayo Saka comes in every day and he greets the young players like he personally makes – Sure, he goes and greets the young players every morning. He goes to you know who to used to people.
0: who also used to do that. <laughs> exactly. We've just been talking for him for fourteen it's, minutes.
1: It's, exactly, and, and so I think that sometimes because he's a little bit like Odegaard, where it's like until you see it, you don't really get that how big a leader he is because he's more of an example. He's not going to be shouting in your face or, or or screaming at you, but he is going to lead by example, and he is always going to just do the right thing. Now, what I think is so fun about this Pakaio Saka story, right, this, this narrative that we've been following is we've been lucky enough to see him from the start, right? We saw him in press in the Europa League when he was coming through as a youngster, when he was used out of position as a left back, and all of us sat there and said, there's no way, and then he did it, and then he moved to left wing, and there were like, there's no way he displaces Aubameyang or or Pepe, he did it, then he moved to the right wing and made us never remember, like, like Nicholas Pepe cannot get back into, he's literally been banished to the shadow realm. Because Bakayo Saka held it down. And now people are starting to see what we're talking about on the England stage, too, because he's followed a very similar plan. Remember, Southgate used him as a left back, then kind of shifted him around. And everywhere he played him, he kept picking up those Man of the Match awards. He just kept, keeps doing it. And now, before, when we used to try to tell people, hey, you know, Saka's coming. This kid's world-class. They'd be like, oh, no, isn't Emile Smith-Rowe your guy? Or isn't Martinelli the best player? Why do you guys keep talking about Saka? It's because very quietly, in front of the entire world, he's been passing every single test with flight. Not even just passing, but getting a plus, 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 pluses. Like Whenever we say there is something that you need to do, he just does it. He's just like, yes, sir. Do you want me to do something more, whether it be play, whether it be play defense? Remember, we played him as a right back before as well, whether it be, hey, Saka, you are making a lot of great decisions, but you need to add assist to your games. OK, you got assist. Now add some goals. OK, you're making some scrappy goals. Can you make some beautiful goals? OK, can you win a game on your own? Yes, 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 yes. And that's yes. just been his story. And it's been fun to watch this trajectory of this kid that just seems to just get better. He never looks out of place.
0: And this is a guy, well, and it, and it you know, we, we got to move on to other topics, but the, he he's <laughs> a guy who, who's infectious on everyone around him and he's doing all of this, and this is the one caveat and the concern that I have, he's doing all of this while getting the least protection and the most offensive treatment from opponents mm. that I've seen in a long, long time, well, he doesn't complain. Maybe he should complain. He doesn't dive. Maybe he should every once in a while. We've seen him not go down when we know if he had gone down, he would have a penalty. And look, I like that from a personal standpoint and, and I'm not being critical of it. What I'm saying is he's, he's overcoming an, a, an abnormal number of challenges that are being artificially placed in front of him. And I think if, you know, God, God forbid those things start to peel away you start seeing him protected, uh, you start seeing um, his reputation allow for you know him to stop having people trying to end his career or shorten his career. Um, you want to see rage. God, I don't even want to say this, but God forbid somebody's successful in doing what they've been trying to do to him. It's going to be I mean, the, the the amount of rage that's going to come out of the Arsenal fan base is is I've never never before been seen, and that's saying something. So, uh, I love the guy, and and he is absolutely following in the footsteps of of uh, of Rocky so far, and you love to see it.
1: Yeah, beautiful what, what you player. You don't love one, to see. One, one... Wonderful, and and I'm sure we're going to come back to Saka as we we talk about this final run in and the form of our players and what to expect coming down the road. But before we do go through there, there have been some other things that happen in the international news. Um Agent Pep Guardiola sending his stormtroopers out to chop down Odegaard. Did you see that tackle that just, somehow just he didn't get trooper. a penalty? Yeah, I mean,
0: look, if I was a neutral, I. You know it, and just watching a football match, I would be amazed and astounded that that wasn't a penalty and potentially I guess it would have to be a penalty and a yellow or not a penalty and a red but I mean it was a red card challenge in the in the box and I believe if you're making a play on the ball which it's debatable but he was he was attempting to I guess uh, although maybe he wasn't uh, you can't get the double jeopardy but either way, no foul was called of any kind, which of course would have had to have been a penalty, but not being a neutral and that happening to our man Odegaard. I mean, I, it, I, I was as mad as everyone else was. I mean, that, that was absolutely brutal. Is there no retrospective action that could be taken? And I know it would only impact his ability to, to play international games. Uh, maybe it would impact uh, him in Europe with Manchester city, but either way, I don't know if Pep Guardiola sent him out to do that or if that was just his own... I was going to say... I don't he think did. he has to be sent out to do that to know that, you know, hey, if I injure... I mean, because he did it to... Uh, apparently, I didn't see this one, but apparently he did it to Tierney in the next game. We yeah. were all hoping Tierney would do it to him uh, <laughs> in return, but instead, he he he, he took Tierney out of the game. And, and I mean, I... I I'm a conspiracy theorist at times. I have the tinfoil hat ready to go. Wait, wait, wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. Before you go on to your conspiracy theory, I did want to ask you a question about oh, one. Do, simple. You, it's simple. Do you think, you think that Pep Guardiola and Manchester City are paying refs across the across leagues to ensure that Arsenal players sustain an injury in this period? Do you think that there is possibly maybe a chance? I mean, that
0: could never happen with any world football club, could they? Oh, wait. <laughs> Barcelona. Wait, wait.
1: And and, uh, and obviously not uh, never under a, such a morally upstanding, uh, coach like Pep Guardiola that would never happen. To oh wait that happened. It's yeah. almost like if you look over Pep Guardiola's career, he continues to play in in incredibly morally dubious situations. I do want to move on from that though, real quick because we do we have been burning through it. Florian Balogun, where will he play?
0: Um, in France and for the U.S. You you think that he's going to take the U.S.
1: job, so to speak?
0: I mean, I've seen some posts saying that he has decided, but they're not uh, they're not official things. I mean, look, I, we know he was in in Orlando meeting with the U.S. team and me uh, and you. Uh, I I'm, I'm assuming
1: that that he stayed at your crib. Black Lives Matter, you know um li- listen i didn't mean to thing. laugh at that I, I was laughing that you said that um i have a question because florian i think, balligan, I, th- I think it could this is really interesting this u.s thing right because if you think about it the united states is guaranteed a place in the world cup right they are yeah. we are, we because we're hosting we're it, that good we're
0: oh oh yeah you're right yeah, yeah. right
1: yeah there's that thing right florian balligan we talk about star boy for england Could he become the star boy for the United States and is that something that we want for him as is will that help maybe raise his level give him a level of responsibility come back to Arsenal bag those same goals in Uh, or is this something that maybe just increases his value for us for a sell on later.
0: I don't think it does any of those things. I think I think it's a completely independent thing that has nothing to do with Arsenal. Quite honestly, I I think if anything, Arsenal or who he plays for next has more to do with his you don't ability think, to play in national teams than the other way around. But
1: you don't think his position in a national team and affects his mentality as a striker?
0: I don't know. Uh, that's the honest answer. I don't know.
1: Um, I feel I, like I feel like if you're the main man, because that's the thing here, because. I I
0: think it works in reverse. I I, I think hmm. because the national team setup is such a small portion of your of your football year, depending on the year that, you know, I I think it's it's more about like like, look, if he if he's playing striker for like Wren next year or or Nice or somebody like that. Next year, whether it's because we've loaned him out again or because he's been sold on a permanent to uh, to a team in Mike France, does not example.
1: talk about Ballion coming back. Interesting. I don't.
0: No. Well, what I'm saying is, if he does that,
1: he's far
0: less likely to be in the England setup because he's playing outside of England and because he's playing in a lower level league. I mean, we we see very few people who play outside of England play for England. I mean, uh, Bellingham's a, an example of one, but. For that, for for now, that he's not playing in England, but you know, you, you don't see a lot of that. So if he if he doesn't come back to Arsenal, and play in or play somewhere else in the Premier League, I think the decision is almost made for him. If he wants to, if he wants to start for a national team, it's the states. And I know he could play for Nigeria, but I think it's the
1: states. Isn't uh, that a little premature though? Because if you think about it, how old is Balogun Twenty two, right? 21, 22. Yeah, 21, 22. Four years goes by. He's 26. By then, he could be in contention to play in England. Maybe it won't be this or even he has a World Cup after that. Does the stature of England as a national team mean more to a striker does it mean more for him to back goals for the England team than to say for the United States
0: I think if he had his way and he could pick his team and know that he was going to play I think he would probably choose England but you know and and Charles Charles Watts uh, tweeted about this on the day that he was pictured in Orlando and we we kind of got into a back and forth on on whatsapp about the uh you know about whether this made sense or not i mean he and he he wrote an article about him being kind of incredulous like why would he need to pick one or the other right now why wouldn't he wait until next summer which is a good point uh i mean there's no big i mean the u.s has the gold cup but that's (laughs) that's small potatoes compared to the uefa you know the the Euros. euros yeah um but the um you know he was like, who's really in front? Like after Kane, who's really in front of him in that setup? And and I'm thinking, well, Tammy Abraham's in front of him, uh Ivan Tony. Ivan Tony's Ooh. in front of him. Uh Callum He's Wilson good. is considered in front of him and got experience already on the club. I mean, there there are three or four strikers in their mid-20s who are ready to, you know, to to play in the nine for England after Harry Kane is done. So, you know, I don't know that waiting a year until the you know, the, or, or even three years until the U, the 2026 world cup. I don't think Balogun really is in that discussion with England. He comes to the U S uh, yeah, Ollie Watkin. Um, he comes to the U S and he, I mean, is, is he going to play behind Ricardo Pepe and, and Josh Sargent? And I mean, I, look, I don't know that much about the U S setup. I know a lot more about the England setup when it comes to, to the depth of their, of their roster, but I'm pretty sure Florida fuller uh, Flor- and Balligan is the starting striker for the U S men's national team in every game that he's available to play. And I think he sees the opportunity to be, to be special there. And he might be, and and I say this only because he struggled in his limited appearances in arsenal. Um, He's thrived in a lower level league. He might be a big fish in a small pond type of guy. And that is nothing. I mean, look, I am literally a big fish in a small pond right now. Uh, so I'm not criticizing that mentality, but I think he may do well being the man in a lesser competitive marketplace than being challenged with being the man at Arsenal. I have very little sample size to claim that, but that's why I think we might want to sell him at the absolute height of his value. And, uh, and, and if we're going to invest in somebody, invest with somebody with, with Premier League experience uh, to, to take that role. But um, you know, and if he's the kind of guy that wants to be the big fish in a small pond, the US men's national team offers him that in spades. Play next to Polisic for years as the talisman of the team, I think that suits him. So
1: what a waste listen that actually brings us very well to our next topic by the way everybody thanks for joining us here on the tgp i see you all out there if you think florian Balogun should be bought go ahead and give us a like if you think if you think we should bring him back to the arsenal give us another like and if you think he should go out on another loan well give, give us, us a like, like. and then you know, we'll, it,
0: we'll actually go into the under underpinnings of the podcast and we'll yeah. get the translation of which likes for which votes and then we'll announce that
1: on the next pod it'll be really exciting Mikel Arteta, Mikel Arteta and Edu actually watched this podcast as well as the starting 11 they were two of the original 14 so there was really just like one person watching but they can't, but they,
0: cool. can't they can't be on live though we we actually did the podcast for them live earlier and that. and mm-hmm. this is just the this is we're, we're reading the transcript now
1: yeah yeah <laughs> for he, all of you it's we're much more passionate for Mikel he he always says we must win our duels Duels. but this brings us to another topic which we're kind of hinting at and I want to bring it up because we have three players potentially that I think are probably well four players that are a little bit of heads five players that are head scratchers because their loans are coming to an end at the end of the season and we have to think about what to do with them Florian Balligan, I'm going to say let's do this a little quickly. So, Florian Balligan, where would you? What would you do with him, and why?
0: If you get an offer for north of 40 million, I would sell him. For the same reason I, that we sold Joe Willett. Now, uh, here, here's my with, question: you're for You're catching you. a player at the absolute height of his marketability. There's a small chance you could be wrong, and you're giving away uh, Serge Gnabry. Uh, although you're not giving him away for five million, you're giving him away for 40 million. Um, but I think there's a greater chance that he comes kind of floating back down to earth a bit when he's playing against tougher competition in the Premier League, and 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 if that happens or if he has less of an opportunity to to put himself in the shop window because he's behind Gabby Jesus uh, next season, then I think you really you, – then you're pulling an Ainsley Maitland-Niles where you have an offer on the table for the guy, and now you can't sell him.
1: Well here's the thing though and this and this is why this is interesting and I mean no disrespect to Eddie and Kedia but I will say Eddie and Kedia as good as he's been off of the bench he hasn't scored a goal this season so is what? it yeah this season yeah for who what do you mean for who
0: and Kedia hasn't scored a goal for who
1: he hasn't scored a goal from off of the bench Oh, 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 okay. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. a really long – that's a long shot to take from all the way over there. But yeah, 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 no, no, no but, but that's okay, but that's I, the point that I'm trying to make. I didn't hear is, the
0: off-the-bench part. I thought you were saying you hadn't scored a goal for Arsenal. I really didn't want to have to embarrass you in front of literally two dozens of people.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, tr- trust me, mate. You're not going to give me that easily. But, no, the the point that I'm trying to make is as an impact, though we've always accredited, I've often said Eddie hustles, he does very well. I find that a little bit of a damning stat. Maybe my eye test isn't quite matching up to what's actually happening on the pitch, because it does look like Eddie and Kedia is not a very good impact sub. Do you maybe consider rolling the dice? Because as it stands, Trussard and um, even maybe Martinelli, Martinelli and Emile Smith-Rowe might be competing with Eddie for that other striker spot um do you maybe try another player like Balogun? maybe because he might be better off the bench see what he has see what he has to offer over eddie
0: i mean let's play player trading here because that's that's an important part of uh, of of, of the, the the yearly turnover how much are we getting for eddie Nketiah if we uh if you know if we let him go we've signed him up uh so we have we've protected his value but how much is somebody offering us for eddie Nketiah?
1: How much would you buy um like a how many goals does Ollie Watkins have this season?
0: i don't know uh I'm not sure i would i would go for him um i mean if it wasn't for for no
1: no I'm saying for eddie Eddie and Caddy is tier where you would put, where would you put it? Cause I, I'm trying to think of like comparable players and I'm trying to think like how much would I spend for Ollie Watkins or, or maybe like, I know you're I've trying to assess
0: only... what, what Eddie might be worth to like a crystal palace or to Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah Exactly.
0: I mean, I I'm thinking based on his pedigree and the work and, and the, the, the life I mean, start
1: for crystal palace. I, yeah.
0: But I mean, how much did they spend on Edward? Um,
1: I think fifteen.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think we get more than 23, 25 for Eddie Niketia. I think that would be a good deal for Nketiah. Meanwhile, I you know I think we get forty and and uh, From
1: who who do you uh, think buys Balogun at
0: forty? Well, apparently AC Milan. Uh, we we should, you know we could ask Mike Hernandez uh, if he were here, but uh, apparently they already want Balogun for more than forty million. Uh, if that's true, then then I think that would be a great fit for him. Uh, I would
1: say here's Balogun. But have you seen Eddie and Nketiah? Your defense is in trouble. You know, yeah, uh, I would not miss that song. But look, I mean, I, I just think the value. I, I I think one is is you're you're
0: paying mm-hmm. for poten- you're paying for potential based on what you're seeing this season, and the potential is endless if he's playing in the right league and the right in the right in the right setup. The other Nketiah, you're paying. You you know what you're paying for. You know right. what we have in Eddie Niketia, in my opinion. He's not going to suddenly take his game to the next level. Uh, I don't think, you know, compared to where he is now. So if he's a six and a half out of ten player right now, he's not going to turn into an eight and a half or a nine. He's not Serge Ganabri who was, you know, showing signs but not really there yet, and then suddenly became a nine. Um, and I I I mean like a nine out of ten quality. I don't mean the uh the the uh the other thing. Oh, I'll never forget Eddie against United. That gave me one yeah. of my greatest moments of the last nine months. Uh, the street,
1: the street's ain't forgetting shit, bro. Wow. No, okay. But, okay. Uh, so, so we've done again. um yeah. Interestingly, this is what so you bring him uh, back.
0: I, I mean, you didn't give your opinion. You bring him back.
1: Um. Yeah, I think I would try him. I think I would try this. I. I, I actually. So agree. I actually agree with you. Where it's one of those situations, I don't think we can sell him for forty million. If we can, if we can sell him for forty million, I think we could get like twenty-five or thirty for Eddie. And I think well, I would rather take and get Tammy. I, I would rather get the thirty for. I don't. I don't really want Tammy. I'm saying um, sell both of them and get Tammy. I used to I don't say think it you can sell Tammy, both, so I'm, both have, of them. I'm, I'm part, if, I'm, if, if, if Edu, if Edu was able to sell both of them for like thirty plus each, I would. I don't know. I would. I. I would hand him my girlfriend and just be like, here, she's yours now. You can have I, her. How come I didn't like have her? If, if, if you're listening right now, <laughs> she is fantastic. Okay. And my one girl is all, one second day to none. One day so if her. you can get this done, Edu, I'm just saying. Uh, matter of fact, two for one. you can going to have one, your,
0: you're your pick of the TGP wives. And, and that, surprisingly enough, that is that's actually saying something.
1: Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know what? You know what? If you if you manage to to get a tyranny for for 70 or 80, I'll throw in magic mic too. Listen, we're we'll go all in on this for you, I do. But seriously, moving on. Um I wanted to talk about uh Nuno Tavares, the uh man, we are forty-five minutes in already. This is um,
0: buckle up. This is we, we said we were gonna do hour long podcasts. we this will be a two-parter, but we're doing it all in one part. So
1: uh Yeah, let's go. Uh, the the um, Olympic Marseille coach recently said he's still a young player, but he's fantastic. Uh, he has fantastic physical capabilities. Uh, he's got an outstanding ability to run. He could play at Real, Barcelona, Manchester City. I think he's gassing him up a little bit there. Good. But that's an interesting situation because you do possibly have Tierney with one foot out the door. What would you think about the situation with him coming up in the summer?
0: Nuno Tavares is not a left back. Certainly not a left back in a four. He is not a defender. Um, he I I I think that uh, that that the Marseille coach might be on to something, but in the position of a wing back or a out and out winger. Uh, I have seen very little of him play at Marseille, but what I have seen, he's terrorizing right backs from the from the left wing position. Um a little and, Marcello
1: in there, right? Like, like could he you, could he be?
0: If if he even was 10% of the player that Marcello was, possibly the, the best left wing back in the history of the world. Um, and I'm I'm sure I'm overlooking a few people there, but Tavares doesn't have a way back into this team. And frankly, if he did, the position that he would be most productive at is blocked and blocked and blocked from him with Martinelli, Saka even ESR, um. Vieira, I mean, maybe Vieira is not the best example, but, I mean, he, he just doesn't he, – he's not going to get time at, at left wing or left wing back because of the formation we play. but he could be a devastating wing back or left winger for a team, once again, probably not in England. And um, and, and so I love that Marseille coach is is, uh, is gassing him up. Um, I want him to get as gassed up and as high quality as he possibly can to get his price up, but uh, we'll make a profit off of him. But he, he's not gonna play another game for I mean he might play over the summer for Arsenal, you know, in training and, and, and in the States, but he's not he's not coming back. So I I mean if we're if we're Aaron doing... Mike
1: strikes again, he just like who hurt you? Did these players is it is it because is it that Liverpool game? Is it that PTSD that's just shaking through? You? You're not you're not gonna forgive him for, for I some nothing, of the mistakes I have, I have nothing against
0: you know Tavares. Uh, it look, sounds like
1: you do. I,
0: I didn't I didn't attack him personally. Um, I why, I, why I can't even, Nuno, why can't Nuno get better? I think he can get better. I just I, I, he can get better. I just don't think that his focus and I don't think the way he's being played now is 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 training him to become a better left back to be a fullback.
1: You don't, uh, think, I, you don't think Mikel Arteta can get his arms in him and and turn him into something?
0: I think forcing him into playing left back. When that's clearly not where he's best, I think he is best, as his coach said. Uh, you know, running. What what did he say? Um,
1: uh, that of, he's re- that he's good at re- that he's got fantastic yeah. physical capabilities. Uh, yeah, I mean,
0: did did he say anything about his tracking back and his ability you know, and his tactical defending? I mean, he didn't say that. So, and and I haven't seen that from him. So I think. Does anybody uh,
1: say that about Zinchenko though?
0: Well, you don't have to say that about Sanchenko. He's just a
1: he's a perfect football. Too it, like, it sounds like he got rules for some players but not oh, others.
0: Oh, come on. Yeah, it's uh it's, it's <laughs> Portuguese players. Now the um I I I just I think I think he could be a very very good left wing or or left wing back in a team that plays, you know, 3 at the back. Um <laughs> and that's just not Arsenal
1: right now. I don't know. I think he's – listen, maybe, maybe this we have to
0: is – We have to sell some players, and we have to sell them after good loan spur, spurts and, and sell them – You know, I, we have to sell some, some Jordan Ives or whatever the guy's I, name is. I was never, I never said, Not good enough to qualify to play in the starting 11 for Arsenal but are still good enough for, for 95% of the other clubs.
1: So, so here's where we disagree. I don't necessarily know that Nuno Tavares can't be good enough to start for Arsenal, given Mikel Arteta. And I would normally, I would be okay with selling him. Normally, I I think that that's like fine. I, I have no problem being cutthroat, but I do think that left back is going to be an issue area. And if we can like the value of bringing him in versus and selling Tierney versus selling tyranny and having nobody and having nobody there and hopefully hoping that there's somebody that can come in i just think that there's a lot of there's an opportunity cost there that we or or a opportunity less cost what's the word for that when it's when you make money off of an opportunity and Whatever.
0: Well, Yeah, I mean, there's value in, in, um, in, in bringing him in as, as opposed to paying somebody, you know, for a 40 million pound replacement for Kieran Tierney. I personally would like to see our, if, if I want to see Arteta whispering in somebody's ears and putting their arms around somebody between Nuno Tavares and KT, it's KT saying, hey, we're doing something special here and I know that you want to play and I know that you that that, you know, I know where your head is at. We need you for another year. At least. And if things turn out this year, very much like last year, then, you know, we'll we'll give you your move. But uh, but please stay with us another year. I would rather the value of us keeping a guy who is in a year or so off of our books from a from an amortization standpoint. We've already bought him. We're already paying him what we're paying him. And he's a guy who who's a good team guy. If we if 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 Arteta can pull that off, then again, there's not a spot for Nuno. If he can't pull that off, it depends on what somebody's willing to pay for Nuno. If we can get a 30 million pound, 25 million pound Where offer are you getting Nuno these
1: 30 money? million pounds? Like people just have money to, who's spending 30 million on Nuno? I don't know. We'll see. I don't even know. I, I, said you know. If, I said if, by the way. <laughs> I said if. Especially because the, the problem with Nuno, and there is an interesting, there's an interesting little element to this whole like buy, sell, loan thing. With the Premier League, which is there's becoming such a growing disparity in the spending power of Premier League clubs versus non Premier League uh, clubs that we overspend when we buy. And then it makes it so no teams Sell in Europe are Brighton. spending that much money. So, you know what I mean?
0: Brighton's got a lot of money. Sell them there. You'd be good there. I mean, you know, Why? sure, someone
1: will buy Matoma and then and then Nuno can come in. Listen, listen. If you can – I think Brighton scouting <laughs> – I think their scouting prevents them from picking up Nuno. I, I don't mean this to shame Nuno. I do think that Nuno can be a better player. I, I think that if – long story short, he's one of the guys where it's like I I don't really think he's worth it right now, but if Arteta came in and said, no, I can make it work, I'd believe him because well, I, I do think he has enough – I see enough of him there where it's like – I. I, I really buy into if Arteta brings them back, but here's another one. For I, I'm me.
0: I'm an, I'm optimistic. Before we move on, I'm optimistic that we are entering a phase in in our club's trajectory now, where Liverpool has been in the past, where Chelsea has been in the past, where where are nearly good enoughs are valuable to other teams. Uh, we've seen some sick sales from Liverpool. And for Chelsea over the years, Chelsea sold some players to Bristol Palace. Liverpool sold some players to Bournemouth and to, you know, we've seen uh, Solanke and Ibe and, and uh, you know, these guys are going for 16, 20, 25 million pounds, and they've barely played a game for their parent club. And that's because the teams know that they are, they would be starting for that club, if not for the fact that they have Martinelli there already or, or see, I, not for the I, fact I, that they have Zinchenko there already and they're and, and they value these players and they want to get they want to get them at twenty million before they become fifty million
1: pound players. See, uh, this is where I disagree because these players, because they're out on loan, I don't see that they have the same arsenal marketability as like they are like our core players. Now you could say something well, a different alone
0: in the championship or alone in the lower level of Premier League would help. I agree.
1: Yeah, with l- that. like like I like you could say that about our young players because our young players haven't been tested at Arsenal. These are guys that honestly, and this is what makes the situation a little more difficult, is they've had a shot to play and they didn't quite take it. It's a little bit, it, it, you know, Nelson might be upping his value now, but you don't normally have the story of somebody not make taking their shot, going out on loan, and then coming back and then, you know, making it. And I think that's why, Tavares doesn't ha- isn't going to get that Arsenal shine where it's like okay he's 30 million. Now there's another player I- I'll get to in matter of fact let's just talk I about him. I didn't say now. 30
0: million pounds. I-, I meant 30 million like pesos. Yeah, something like- I was trying to think of trying to think of a, a, you know, one of, one of the uh, Italian lira. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> back when yeah. they had those.